The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. It is December. It's about time. We've been waiting 11 months for this. Uh, we are starting a new series today entitled Home for Christmas for the month of December. Um, and before we uh, go any further, I just want to tell you... Um, First of all, this stage looks awesome. It's one of those things where like, I ha- yeah, you can give a round of applause. It's one of those things where like, I'm like, I think I want there to be a home on the stage. And I have no idea what I'm asking. Okay. And so uh, we had a team of people help pull this off. So Dan Webster and Jack White figured the, the paneling out from behind here. Philip and Steven kind of made this uh, mantle work with our fire uh, that we got going on. And then uh, Rachel Borlsma and my lovely wife uh, decorated the rest of that. And so uh, it was, it's amazing. That's amazing, right? So thank you to those who helped. Absolutely. So we're going to be looking at how Jesus had a home uh, and left that home to come to be with us and make a home with us, uh, and then ultimately left here to go and prepare us a home in eternity. And so uh, as we jump into that this morning, I'm, sh- I'm sure that you're like me, Christmas season's in full swing, and this week was just like back to back to back to back to back. So I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray for us because uh, I don't know if you need this or not, but I just need to focus my heart and mind. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Uh, Thanks that we get together here and to worship you. Thank you that uh, the reason that we are here and gathered around as people who believe in you is because of your death on the cross. I pray right now that you would calm our hearts, clear our minds, Holy Spirit, that you would set our hearts towards your word and what you have to say to us this morning. Jesus, we love you and we're just so thankful for everything you've done for us. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. So Christmas is in full swing in our house. We have a Christmas tree up. My kids nightly are requesting a Christmas playlist on Alexa. We've got some elves running around causing havoc. And uh, nightly, almost, we have QVC on the TV screen. Now, I do not shop at QVC. I'll just go ahead and throw that out there. Um, but, yes, some of you are raising your hands. Thanks for uh, admitting that you do that. Um, but now here's the deal. Like, something happened last year that I wasn't ready for, for, I wasn't planning on, um, I really didn't even know how to respond to in the moment. Like, I have trained my children to be classic Christmas movie junkies, okay? Like, December 1st hits, and we have to watch Home Alone, because they know it's the greatest Christmas movie that's ever been made, right? Like... I like, we're, we're all in, right? We've already watched the Santa Clauses. We're getting ready to start again, okay? Like, there's just certain movies that they have to watch during the Christmas season. And in fact, um, there's a couple that we haven't watched and we're kind of waiting till later in the season for those. Uh, but we, I, have, I have trained them well, okay? And then something happened. My wife converted them the Hallmark Christmas movie junkies. Why are you cheering for that? <laughs> I came home from work one day, and I turned the corner, and they're three-fourths the way through a Hallmark Christmas movie. Not just my wife, not just my daughter, but my son. And my son is arguing with my daughter as to whether they're going to sell the Christmas tree farm or not. 
And I'm like, I've lost complete control of the household, okay? Like, what is happening right now? And so I, later that night, we got the kids to bed, and then, and then she started working on me. Let's watch a Hallmark movie. No, let's watch a classic Christmas movie. And it kept on happening. And so finally, I'm like, okay, I will watch one Hallmark movie with you. And I loved it. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. I didn't say that first service because she was in here. <laughs> what Christmas movie was that, ladies? It was Cranberry Christmas. Okay, like, was Gabe going to, dang it, there she is. <laughs> I didn't know she was going to be in second service. She's right there. Busted. <laughs> Dang it. Right? Cranberry Christmas. Was Gabe going to sell a business right out from underneath Don and ruin the holiday festival? Okay? That was like the deal. And, uh, and I, was, we were, I, we were, I was all in. I was all in. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't watched one since because I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just wanted to be in this mindset of mine that it's great and Hallmark movies are awesome. But anyways, there's this... But there's a formula, I'm told this now, I haven't, watched, I haven't watched multiple ones, but there's this formula that Hallmark's onto, right? It's me plus something equals the perfect Christmas, right? So Cranberry Christmas is me plus Gabe not selling the family business and ruining the holiday festival equals a perfect Christmas. And every single one of them, from what I hear, is the exact same setting. It's the exact same thing. And I think for you and I, like we, we fall into that Hallmark formula. Right? We just got done celebrating Thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but you, know, you go home for Thanksgiving and you remember how jacked up your family is. You're like, what is, what's going on here, right? And, and then you leave and we jump into Christmas season and all of a sudden you start to think that same formula. As a me plus a healthy report from the doctor equals a perfect Christmas. Me plus a reconciled relationship with my kiddo would you will perfect Christmas. Me plus my husband or wife deciding, that agreeing to go to counseling, perfect Christmas. Me plus a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend would equal a perfect Christmas. Or, or better, me plus an engagement ring would equal a perfect Christmas. Right? Single ladies, right? <laughs> like, come on, it's Christmas. But we, get, we fall into that formula. And, and here's the thing is, and I don't want you to feel bad about falling into that formula because I think it actually points to something bigger than just Hallmark movies and what maybe you'd fill into that gap. You see, there's this, you probably heard this before, this is God-shaped hole in our hearts. And that, that idea and that phrase, it kind of comes, well, it comes from scripture, but it also comes from a, a classic quote by a, name, a guy named Blaise Pascal. It says this, what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is an empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there to help he cannot, excuse me, to help he cannot find in those that are. Though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. I have to believe that Blaise had the exact same scripture in mind that I do when I read that. It's Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, Yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, 
But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. There's a longing in every one of us to fill that blank in the equation with something that actually will give us the perfect Christmas. There's a longing, and I think it, comes, it goes all the way back to our beginning and our first home and the home that God created for the first man and woman on earth. I think it goes all the way back there. And that's where the longing comes from. And I want to take a look at that this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to start there and then we're going to jump back to Genesis. But in that first home, in the Garden of Eden, we see this, that, that our home in the beginning was a perfect place. Our home in the beginning was a perfect place. And that's because it was made out of perfection. Let me read to you John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Now, I want you to understand that when we read John chapter 1, and he says, the word, he's referring to Jesus. Okay, so let me read this one more time. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to fill in Jesus so that we can understand this fully. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Jesus, and nothing was created except through Jesus. You see, we're told here in John that back before, we know when we read in Genesis 1, that, that God's spirit was hovering above the emptiness, that, that it was actually Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It was God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Because you see, Jesus had the perfect home. <laughs> like, there, there was nothing that Jesus needed when he existed inside the Trinity before he came to earth. It was, it was perfect. And it was through that perfection that God went ahead and created everything that you and I sense, sell, smell, see, put our hands on. He created it all out of Perfection, and so the Garden even is, Eden is perfect. It's perfect pleasure. It's perfect beauty. It, it meets perfect needs. It's everything that we needed for survival. So flip with me back to Genesis chapter two. God creates this beauty, this perfect place, and then we're told that He puts. Adam and Eve in that place, and he starts to explain it to them. And in chapter 2, verse 9, he says this, The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Jump down to verse 19. Nope. 16. But the Lord God warned him, being Adam, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Okay, so we, knew, we know this, right? When the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they just existed with God in perfect unity with him. Uh, God would walk with them through the garden. I can't, we can't even, I don't even know what that means, right? Like, I can't imagine God just walking next to me like, you know, my kids walk next to me. I, I don't know, but that's the way it was. It was perfect. There was nothing that, that, that Adam and Eve necessarily needed, and there was nothing that God needed. It was, it was beauty. 
And then uh, God creates these two trees, puts them in the middle, and he says, you can't, I really need you not to eat from this one. Look at all these other trees. Eat from any of those, but don't eat from this one. And what we do, we eat from this one, right? Because we've been messing up the perfection that God gave us a long time ago ever since, right? We, we, we messed up, and so, so you, you see Adam and Eve partake of that fruit. Now, it happened a couple years ago, uh, but I, I read this article, okay? And the guy's name is, is this. Let me look this up. I got to make sure I got George Bean from Palmdale, California, okay? It's a heck of a name, George Bean, okay? George is on his way home from work, not quite dinner time, so he decides he's going to get a snack. He pulls into Burger King uh, and orders a small sandwich, and as he pulls up to the window, he's not paying a whole lot of attention, and he just hands his debit card to um, the, cash register, the, the lady at the window. She must not have been paying any more attention because his $4.33 meal, sandwich, snack, she types into the cash register twice. Not like $8.66, like $4,334.33, okay? Swipes the card, it processes, hands the card back, sandwich back, and, and George drives on. George figures out very quickly that not only did that snack wipe out all the money in his account, but it also started accumulating overdraft fee after overdraft fee. And within almost seconds, he owed the bank thousands of dollars. And the headline, this is the best, most expensive snack ever. But George would go on to spend months trying to get Burger King to give his money back, trying to get the bank to take the overdraft fees back. I mean, months to figure this all out. Now, I'm going to be the preacher. That's not the most expensive snack in the world. Now, you and I know the most expensive snack that ever took place, and it was in the garden. When we took a bite of an apple that God asked us not to, and from that day forward, you and I have existed in this thing called sin. Right? And here's where we get it wrong in Christendom. Like when we go to evangelize and tell somebody about uh, Jesus and tell them about uh, a way to Jesus, we start with you and I are sinful. That's not the start. The start isn't our sin. The start is a perfect place. The start of the story is that God created this beautiful place that was perfect, that was everything we needed and walked with us and was in community with us, relationship with us. Then you and I made the mistake of eating of the apple and sin entered the world. And ever since, what has God been doing? God's been trying to figure out a way to get us back, to get back into that relationship with you and I, to to set a, a course in motion so that that could happen. And so the next time you go to share your faith with somebody, you want to talk to them about what it looks like to follow Jesus, start where you're supposed to start. That's in the garden. In the first home, the perfect place that you and I had. Because that's where we start and that's where we'll end. We'll get to that. But you see, it wasn't good enough for God just to leave us as we were. He's been pursuing you and I ever since then. And you see that in Genesis chapter 3. He almost immediately begins it. Because you see this, this is what happens. <laughs> I didn't tell this first service, but I'm going to this one. So when I was a kid, my brother's two years older than me. And we have a cousin who's two years younger. And um, when the three of us boys got together, well, let's just be honest. When the three of us boys still get together, 
um, it's trouble, okay? And, uh, and my youngest, my, my, my younger cousin, like he even convinced his kindergarten teacher that his last name wasn't his last name, but it was my last name, right? Like that's just how close we've been our entire lives. And uh, when we were kids, it was around Christmas time because we, we, the three of us boys were together. We were downstairs and my brother decided that it would be cool to call 911. Except for my brother didn't want to have anything to do with, he wanted to be able to lie uh, successfully, right? And so he knew if he could get me to be the one the whole picks up the phone and get JT to be the one who dials, he didn't do anything, right? So I'm like, nope, I'm not picking up the phone because I'm thinking I can't lie, right? Because if I pick up the phone, that means I made the phone call. So I'm like, JT, you pick up the phone, I'll dial 911, right? So that's what happens. My sweet little, at that point, probably five, maybe a six-year-old uh, cousin picks up the phone. I dial 911, and of course they answer, right? And when they answer, we all freak out. JT slams the phone down, and whoosh, we're like in corners hiding because we know what's next, right? The phone rings back because 911 doesn't just let you hang up on them. And my mother upstairs answers it, and you can hear her get off the couch and do, 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 do. And I'm going to pick up the phone, and I'm like, she's talking, and everything's silent. You know, I'm about to pee my pants. And <laughs> here we go. I'm, I'm going to meet Jesus today. Um, and my mom comes walking down the stairs, except for it's not one set of footsteps, it's two, and they're definitely sisters, right? It's my mom and my aunt, and they yell to, to line up. Now, here's the deal my brother's old enough that he can lie through his teeth, and he's great. I'm still faking it till I make it, right? But my cousin, no shot. We get to JT, and he's like on tears. We're like, way to go, right? Like, we got to teach this kid how to lie. Um, completely busted, okay? So that's what happens in the garden. God lines them up. We got Adam, we got Eve, and we got the serpent. He starts with Adam. Well, it's this woman you gave me, right? Woman. Well, it's the serpent you gave me. And we get to the serpent, and then God says this. And this is what I mean by he immediately started pursuing us. Because when we read the punishment for the serpent, we hear about our future. It says this in chapter 3, verse 13. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your heel and you will strike, excuse me, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And that last line, God tips his hat to what he's going to do. Let me replace the name. Jesus will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Right there in that moment, God says, I'm not, I'm not going to leave you here. I'm going to pursue you. And I, in fact, he prophesies in Genesis chapter 3 that one day he's going to send his son, Jesus, from Jesus' perfect home to our broken home so that he could come down here and fix our home and ultimately go and prepare us a perfect home in eternity. Genesis chapter 3, the beginning of our story. Not only do we start in a perfect home, break it, but then God prophesies that he's going to come and he's going to remedy it. He's going to restore it. He's going to redeem it. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's the center of human history. It's the center of this. And it should be the center of you and I's lives. That's what we celebrate. That God came 
for you and I. He sent his son Jesus for you and I because our first home was perfect. And we'll have another perfect home. And that equation, right, that equation that I started with, the hallmark equation, I know as cheesy as it sounds, it's me plus Jesus equals the perfect Christmas. Because what we celebrated just a little bit ago, Jesus died on a cross for you and I to be able to have this relationship we have with him now and the one we will have for eternity. And I love that Mary's here today. I love that Mission of Hope is here today because what do we do until then? We hope. We long for the day when this world and the things that are broken in our world will be remedied, redeemed, and restored. And that day will come. You guys uh, know that Christmas is one of my favorite times of year. I don't get giddy around this time of year just because of Christmas lights. Now, I'm going to tell you, I went to Newfield Friday night. <laughs> that is amazing, okay? Like, I want to wrap one of my trees like every branch like they do. I don't know how they do it, but I'm going to figure it out, okay? I get giddy because we all of a sudden start getting focused on Jesus during this time. Because the, the entire secular world stops on a day, which they call holiday, that's called Christmas because the center of it is Christ to acknowledge something that they don't even believe in. That you and I know what it means and what we get to celebrate. That's why I get giddy. That's why I get excited. Because it's not just for now, but it's for the future too. And, and I'm not going to get into how Jesus came. Now that's next week and then the future is the next week. And I'm going to get ahead of myself. This is kind of like that episode of your favorite show where at the very end the three words come up that everybody hates. To be continued dot, dot, dot. I hate that. Seven days? I ain't got seven days. I need to know right now what's going to happen. To be continued. All right, come back next week. We're going to talk about the Jesus part, right? But until then, it's hope. Hope. Right? That situation that's going on in your family is hope. That thing you're struggling with is hope. The brokenness of this world is hope. We have something different than the world. We know where the story ends. We also know where it began. Our first home was a perfect place. And one day we will return to another perfect place. Eternity with God right next to Jesus. And that is a lot to be hopeful for. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we, um, we, we come before you this morning in awe that you would leave such a perfect place, perfect unity with the Holy Spirit and God the Father to come to earth, uh, to fulfill a law which we would never have been able to fill on our own, for, uh, for you to go to a cross and die a criminal's death that we would never have been able to die ourselves. And ultimately to go and prepare a place that we would never be able to prepare for ourselves in eternity. Jesus, we give you all the glory and honor and praise this morning because you're worth it, because, uh, because you're worthy because that's what this season is about. God, I pray that you would light our hearts on fire to celebrate and be excited about this season, regardless of what we think about this season, so that we can share with others that we had a perfect home at one point and we'll have one again, and that is all as a result of Jesus' birth on this earth. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray these things in your precious 
most glorious name. Amen.